Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Good morning and welcome back to Daybreak Devotions from McLeansville Baptist Church. Pastor Mike Barnett with you. Pastor Corey Cantrell is here and we are ready to dive back into Psalm 119. We have been rapidly moving towards this process of getting into, we're literally in the back nine of Psalm 119. And so we're going to be eyes on the prize real soon here of completing this, but we've got a lot of great stuff still to cover before we do. You got that right. A lot of great stuff to cover. I don't even know what it is we're covering. But it's going to be great. Are we recovering? Uh, there had needed to be some time of recovering, yes. Well, I need to recover my attention span because I got it taken away here. I was working on the Wednesday Word of the Week. Yes. And I got distracted, so that's why I sound like, uh, well, distracted. But I'm back on now. Plugged in, re-engaged, recovered, refocused, really. So, without... Further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this week's Wednesday's Word of the Week. You're going to like this one. I hope so. Heterodox. 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 It's a synonym of both. Well, before I tell you anything, I I guess it's just good to ask, what do you think it means? Heterodox. Um... (laughs) I'm going to go with same same area where you park your boat. <laughs> docks. Uh, but I guess it's, is it docks like D-O-X, like orthodox? Or like D-O-C-S, like a couple of doctors. Oh, okay, so heterodox. heterodox hey, you're going to go to the same practitioner, same same uh, medicinal Wait area. Wait a minute. Now, are you saying that the prefix... Heter means the same? Oh, wait a minute, no. That would be different. So you're going to go to two different doctors? Yeah, you're going to seek a second <laughs> opinion, like a, like a different oh. difference of opinion. You know, I, I want to applaud you on this. You're not, you're not as far off as you may have felt like you were well, in what you were saying, and I want to applaud your uh, verbal linguistic efforts right there. Oh, well, I that was almost that. like watching a an untrained and untalented gymnast trying to copy what they just saw an Olympic Olympic athlete do on TV in a sort of twisted verbal mental way. It doesn't make me feel any better whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe this will. A heterodox. It is an adjective. It means contrary to or different from an acknowledged standard, a traditional form, or an established religion. So like unorthodox or unconventional, very similar to that, but to your attempt at explaining it, it's to go to something more than another. So you were kind of on track with what you were saying. I I just want to say, hey, that's a great job on your part. Well, thank you. Heterodox. Her heterodox approach to teaching science initially met with some resistance from her peers. It comes from a late Latin word, heterodoxus, and the Greek heterodoxo, from heter and doxa. Hmm. Where we also get 
Doxology. Right. So back in the day, Charles Darwin would have been teaching some heterodox. I don't know. Ross Perot's personality was... (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. I'm just going to stick to my little soundboard. Here's a hot take. Individuals often see other people's ideas as unconventional while regarding their own as common sense. Boy, ain't that the truth. On second thought, this take may be more on the mild side. In other words, closer to orthodox, that is conventional, insight about human nature than to the heterodox, that is unconventional, opinion. Both orthodox and heterodox developed from the same root, the Greek doxa, meaning opinion. Heterodox combines doxa with heter, a combining form meaning other or different. The more I break this down, the more I think your attempts at it by saying I'm going to get another opinion are very good. I would like to applaud you. Yes, thank you, thank you, I thank you. I wish we had that applause track. I would play it for you. Well, I would have pulled it up, but I wasn't expecting it. Oh, well, how about this? <sighs> oh, wow, listen to that crowd go wild. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is this week's Wednesday Word of the Week. I don't know that anybody will use that word uh, after today, but it was fun. It was sure. a fun one. Oh, they're going to use it. I can already hear it now. Next time they hear something they don't like, they're going to be like, you know what, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to need to get a heterodox. <laughs> Could be the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> I I was thinking that people were out there in radio land saying, this is the most heterodox radio program <laughs> I've ever heard on the uh, radio station. But anyway. And to that we say. Amen. You are welcome. Yes. To that Shout we out say, to you, Deacon Dean. Yeah, or we, we, yeah. Okay, so moving right along. Today we're in Psalm 119, and we're in verse 129 to 136. 129 to 136. Uh, as I was examining this one, I narrowed my verse down. Have you narrowed your key verse down? Mm-hmm. Uh, should we write it on a piece of paper and then like Hold show it, it at, at the, the same, same time? time? Yep. All right. It's going to happen live right here. Here we go. I'm going to pin that writes. How about you out there in listener land? Have you picked out your verse? All right, ready? Here we go. And show. Oh. Oh. Well, you got the wrong one. <laughs> well, okay. <clears throat> no, for the radio listener, uh, Brother Corey got verse 131. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. And I put down 133. Order my steps in thy words, and let not iniquity have dominion over me. I'll let you go first. What's your thinking as we come into this section? So as I read verse 131, the another psalm came to my mind as the heart panteth after the water brook, so it panteth my soul after thee, O God. And I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. And I guess the imagery that comes to my mind is when you are at that place where you are where you are panting, there's there's really only one thing on your mind. There you don't really have a long list of boy, I'd like to have this, I would like to have this, or I, boy, I could go for this. There is one singular thing that I need above all else. And that's what I took the psalmist writing here. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. More than anything else, I need the word of God. I need the commandments of God, and my soul is craving this, and nothing else is going to satisfy or cure this longing other than God's word. Well, I think anybody that's been following us as we've been going through Psalm 119 is not going to be shocked to hear me say, we're repeating a lot of things. Mm -hmm. 
But that's the nature of this psalm. There's 176 verses that are just covering and recovering. It ain't a heterodox. Nope. It is staying true to this 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 thing. It, well, I mean, it, it could be a heterodox to some people. I mean, if you're un- not on the way of the devout heart, yes, it's a very unconventional way to live. Yes. But it is a very conventional way to live for the psalmist and for those who are pursuing after this. So 133 again, order my steps in thy word. What I saw as I read this is the way of the devout heart seen as a life that is centered around God's word, a life that is centered around God's word. And the idea or the image that I would put in, in, in someone's mind is to think about how we schedule our day. How do we go about setting? So, I mean, what do people typically center their day around? Their job mm-hmm. or the big task of the day or family or whatever. None of those things are bad. But the devout heart, the person that is really pursuing this close and deeper life with God, really is the person who's learning how to center their life around. I'm saying God's Word because that's the theme of this psalm, Mm -hmm. but we can broaden that out a little bit or, or maybe tighten it, depending on how you want to look at it, to saying it's someone who centers their life around their their relationship with God, their life with God. So here's the way I wrote out an introduction. When I am in the way, all of my life is centered on God's Word. All of life will be built around God's Word. And Jesus said that to hear and do what he said was to wisely build your house, your life, on the rock. And that's a solid foundation, Matthew 7, 24, 25. And here, the psalmist is expressing uh, that what, what we could see as a word-centered life. God's word being everything to him. So verse 129, thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul uh, doth my soul keep them. Kind of thinking of how I wanted to say this. Basically, walking through the, the verses, here, here's the way I, I wrote it out. He's explaining God's word as being the center of everything in his life. It's his delight, verse 129. It's his discernment, verse 130. It's his desire, verse 131. It's his dependence, verse 132. It's his direction, verse 133. His deliverance, verse 134. His decoration, verse 135. And his disappointment, verse 136. Now, I should explain that, shouldn't I? What? God's words is disappointment? No, his disappointment is seen in this. Verse 136, rivers of waters run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. Now, there's application to be made there, and I don't know why I'm jumping to the end of it but, you know, before we even covered the beginning, but I guess it's because that, that outline, I don't want that to be misleading. Uh, why would this devout person be disappointed in God's word? Well, he's disappointed because as he's looking at the world around him, he sees. And I think the application can be to yourself, right? I, my eyes, I, I weep over my own failure to keep God's word. But I think in the context of the Scripture, he also looks around at the world and the people around him, and, and his heart is broken that, that they are not obeying God's word. And I think the reason why he he's heartbroken over that is because he knows the value of living mm-hmm. in, in accordance with God's word. He knows what it would do for the people if they would commit to this this life of dedication and devotion. So wanted to explain what I meant about uh, his disappointment there. And then... I was going to say, and I think that that goes a long way to reveal the heart of the psalmist and, and a heart that we ought to have. This isn't an elite club mentality type thing. This isn't a, look what I'm getting. It's so great for me. 
our heart ought to break when we see other people that are missing out on the benefits and the joy of this life with God because God came and desired for that life for everybody. And by having that broken heart and having that compassion, it motivates us to continue modeling that life in an effort to to put on display the hope that is available and offered to all men because that also helps to keep us humble. It helps to keep us from, from launching into pride of, boy, look how great I am. I'm one of God's selected. I'm one of God's um, favored ones. No, it's nothing about me, just like it's nothing about my brother or my sister. It is all the goodness and the grace of God. And to see them suffering unnecessarily because they're choosing to go away other than what God has provided for them is heartbreaking. Well, let's walk it back up. We'll, we'll do this one in a heterodoxical way. Oh, We'll just go ahead and walk backwards up the text All right. from the last verse. So kind of explained about why I said it's his disappointment or where his the disappointment comes from. But verse 135, his declaration, make thy face to shine upon thy servant and teach me thy statutes. That's how we really become the light of the world. It's by radiating or reflecting, I guess, uh, radiating and reflecting the impact God's word has on our life, being filled with that. Second Corinthians 4, big big passage around here this year and in a time that we're in in the church, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So we shine not ourselves, but we shine Christ. We shine the gospel. It's his decoration. It should decor our life. Then his deliverance, verse 134, deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. We've talked about that many times through the mm-hmm. series. It's refuging back in the word of God that no matter how bad the day may go, and they can be bad, but it's finding that safe place in God's promises, in God's truth. You find the character of God in all of that. Verse 133, his direction, order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. I guarantee you everybody listening right now can think of some verses that are parallels to that. You know, I trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not in thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Was it Psalm or Proverbs 16? Can't remember the verse. Commit thy way unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall mm-hmm. be established. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are mm-hmm. ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So there's a lot of verses that kind of come back into that. This is the direction. But, hey, where's our key direction? It's in the living word of Jesus. You know, he is the direction of our life. His despondence. Well, what do we mean by that? Verse 132. Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. And, and by that, I, I see a man who understands that without God's favor and grace in his life, he's as apt to fail as anybody. I, I carried over notes I made in this morning's uh, study time and prayer time. I just mentioned 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I could, not, uh, I could not get away from that in my own personal prayer time today. As I've been studying through the Psalms, I've been getting interrupted here lately. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as I mentioned, is big here in the church. It's a verse that we've attached to our sort of unofficial official theme of renovation this year. But 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, as Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 4 some of the challenges, being troubled on every side, not distressed, perplexed, not in despair, and he comes on down to verse 16, and he's talking about all these problems and tribulations and complications, for which cause we faint not. But though the, our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And I made this note this morning 
about what that inner renewal does for us or how, how that's actuated in our life. But what Paul describes there in verse 16 is, is how that we persevere in this renewed life. No matter how often we fail, no matter how beat up we may feel, no matter how often, let's make it personal, no matter how often I fail, no matter how beat up I feel, and to every listener right now, you can put yourself in that thought, but no matter, no matter, we continue in the renewal of God's grace. And, and, and I'm reminded of that as I read that verse 132 there. Look thou upon me, Lord. That's that renewal right there, that exposure, the exposure to God. It reminds me of something else that I brought over here because I was thinking about this. And by the way, this is taken from an article entitled Personal Soul Care. I think I've shared this copies of this in the church before. But let's put this to those podcast listeners who listen to the podcast version. We can put a link to this in the show notes. Got it. When I think about uh, this whole thing of letting God's Word, like I realize I need it. That's where my renewal comes from. It's the exposure. It's the being near to God. I think about something Dallas Willard said, and it's in this. It's quoted in this article or in this um, paper, whatever this is here, but it, I think it's being taken straight out of the Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. But here's what he says under the heading in the paper, Practicing the Presence of God. The first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. David knew this secret. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the polar star of our inward being. Can I just say, wow. Yeah. I mean, that says it all. That That's what you were alluding to earlier. You know, of, of what was it you were alluding to earlier? The panting and the desire. Yeah. The only thing that could quench that. And if God is our focus, we are constantly bringing him before us. It it fills everything that that exactly he just read. He he will be our our true north. I think is a phrase that you've used a lot uh, throughout the course of this study. And as I was looking at, at verse one thirty two, look thou upon me and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do, unto those that love thy name. I I think this verse puts in my mind sometimes when there's a when there's a fracture in a relationship, and there's maybe it used to be filled with with love and and joy and there was that certain look that you would have for one another, and you knew what that look meant. But then when the the relationship, there's that fracture, that look's not there, and you you start thinking, man, you just don't look at me the same way that you used to. I think the psalmist is is revealing a little bit of his personal responsibility. Hey, this is, this is my fault. I, I have done something that has, has severed this, 
But I'm wanting that to be restored. I'm wanting to get back to the place to where I am personally feeling your mercy. I'm feeling your grace. I'm being filled filled with your presence. And I'm able to move forward as I used to be able to do and as you used to guide me and ordain my steps. Well, we talked about, to your uh, pointing out of verse 131, that that's his desire. I opened my mouth, panted, for I longed for thy commandments. And then... His discernment, verse 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light, giveth understanding unto the simple. We don't, Jesus said, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. You know, we're, we're following the light of the world. We are in the, the radiance and the revelation of being near him. Again, that's why we got to stay close. That's why we practice the presence of God. That's why Psalm 116 says, I have set the Lord always before me, mm-hmm. because he is at my right hand, therefore shall I not stumble. Did I say that right? I might have not got it perfectly right, but that's the essence of the verse. And then, uh, back to verse 130, or, or excuse me, verse 129 at the very beginning, that's it's, it's God's word is his delight. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. So I think it, as we look at this, if I you, if the listener were to live our lives wholly given to the way of devotion and holiness, then this passage of the Psalms would define our life as well. We would be a people who, whose life is centered around God. But here's the thing. I recognize it in my life, and I know you do, and the listeners are going to as well. Our own actions can undermine our attempts at this, our praying. And so we have to think about the, the practices of our daily life and what we're doing. This isn't some magical spell in which that if we pray that we're just going to be transformed into devout souls. We have this very integral part to play in all of that. Everything that that we just highlighted out of the psalm speaks to some personal responsibility in our life. And I suppose for the writer, uh, the person he is most disappointed in over disobedience, again, verse 136, the tears from his eyes, the one he's probably most disappointed in is himself. But when we are truly living as devout hearts, we will be heartbroken for those that are also living in disobedience. So again, the key verse for me, the one it hinges all on, is order my steps. Not give me the orders. He has that. And that's an important distinction. But really what he's saying is establish my steps. Fix me in the way of your word. Guide me on this path of righteousness. He is dependent on God's help to get this done. But he also knows the importance of his own obedience. Let me say that another way. We, and I, I've, I've quoted this a lot. I've prayed this a lot because this is so important to remember. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. You can be very fruitful. But he said, if you don't, he says, without me, you can do nothing. And so... We depend upon the grace of God for things to get done, but there's also that part of our obedience. You know, Jesus also said, if you love me, keep my commandments, Mm -hmm. right? And it's a connection there between both things, that my love for the Lord, if it's genuine, is going to, the fruit of that is going to be this obedience to what he has said. And and that's that partnership between me and God that makes this transformation in the Christ-likeness work. As you're talking, a line through a song ran through my mind, 
uh, that a gentleman sings here at the church, I Can't Even Walk Without You Holding My Hand. Old Brother Jerry Merle. Yes. And, and the image is this. We're not looking for God to drag us anywhere. We're not looking to just be dead weight for him just to tug and pull us. We have the obligation to physically walk, to engage in obedience, and not to tug and pull against the guiding hand of the Lord either. But just as I will lead my children by holding their hand, and there's that safety, there's that security and that assurance of, hey, I'm right here with you, they also still have to take that ownership to put in the legwork, literally, and the effort to go where it is that I am leading them towards. Well, I think about two passages that I'll summarize my thoughts today with. James chapter 1, verse 21 through 25, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. That's a very powerful verse that we don't have time to deal with. But the word of God has been engrafted into your soul and mine, but we have to receive it. And by our receiving of it, see, God's already done his part, but if I do my part, the receiving of that engrafted word, it's able to save my soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, He says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. That's how you receive it, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth, that's how we receive it. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. He is constantly in the word, constantly there. You spoke about redirecting prayer early in the year, how that is helpful. This, you know, Dallas Willard spoke about how we direct and redirect our minds constantly to God. And that is that that's one of the things we do with the scriptures all the time. The other verse I was going to just say was Jude, um, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That's personal responsibility, but God's going to meet us there with his grace. He will help us to do it. Yes. Well, we hope this has been a blessing and a help to you. Thanks for joining us today. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.